Have you ever wondered what Jesus would say if he could speak to you today? Join us on our podcast, A Weekly Message from Jesus, as I use my gift of spirit communication to bring you a channeled message from Jesus. The link is a weekly message from Jesus.podbeam.com. His messages will bring you much happiness and guidance in your life. He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Hallelujah. Well, shall we share a word of prayer? Father, thank you for the privilege of being in your presence. Your word says that where the word of a king is, there's power. Let the power of God be made manifest this evening. The power to change our lives the power to work within us both to will and to do of your good pleasure, the power to give us enlightenment. Let every darkness be chased out and let the light of your word come in. Deliver us from any strongholds in our lives that are not of you. I pray in the name of Jesus that this shall be a spiritual encounter with you. Lord, thank you that is not he that willeth nor he that runneth, but you who give grace and show mercy. Show mercy and grace to the vessel that you have chosen to use this evening. And let your will be done. Let me not stand here to please any man, but to please Jehovah who called me and who has given me the grace to stand where I stand. Thank you for answered prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Please sit down. Thank you for that tall introduction, Mr. President. I know that it must have been a write-up from my office, but I think they need an abridged version. And um, I'm very happy to be here this evening. I'm told that I have only 40 minutes, and then 20 minutes for your questions and answers, so I don't intend to be long. I bring you greetings from my husband. Bishop Daggy Wood Mills. And um, I just spoke to him when I was coming up from the car park. So he sends his love and his blessing. I have very fond memories of Lagon. And I always say it. I remember this was the dining hall of Walter Hall. And to me, it looked like the Great Hall. But coming back, 
after, is it 31 years? I think it's very small. <laughs> but, you know, my daughter has come to first year and I was trying to convince her to come to Volta Hall because I was living in my days and I was telling her, Volta Hall is the best place for a girl to go. You must... But then she said, well, mommy, it has changed. You know, now there are three in a room, there are this, there are that. So, well, I left it as it is. But I have very fond memories because I think that we had the opportunity of serving God with our whole hearts here. And it was a joy to do dumb broadcasts and in the dumb broadcast to have word of knowledge, to stand in the middle here and in the middle there and say, L12, L12, God is calling you. Maybe tonight your boyfriend is in the bed with you, but God, and it was true. And they would come out in their 90s and give their lives to Christ. You know, and then we would march from here right up to Commonwealth Hill, singing, get on excited, go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is Lord. Get on excited. You're not as excited as I am, but... And then we went, we preached Christ. The vandals were very surprised. Most of them gave their lives to Christ. And when we finished school, a few weeks after, a guy who was a chief vandal, he was called home to be with the Lord. But he had given his life to Christ at that walk from here up to Commonwealth Hall. You know, and so we thank God for that and for good memories. I pray that you will also live with good memories. Not bad memories. This is why I came to be very bad. This is where my parents didn't know what I was doing. This is where I used to have my abortions. Because I met a lady who said, if the dustbins in Volta Hall could shout, they would shout, babies would be screaming. But I didn't know that that was what was happening. Because when you are in another world, you cannot even imagine, you know. So please, before I get into what I'm getting into, the freshest, make your stand clear. Nobody can be saved for you. You understand? You work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And sometimes, as I've been around these last few days, I've seen some of the boys, they are really rapping together. The girls, I said, they are lying. They are lying. And then, last but not the least, I also have fond memories because this is where I met my husband. It's also a good fertile ground to meet good people. Yes. Amen. Amen. Anyway, this evening, I'm told that your theme is being separated unto God, isn't it? And I'm supposed to speak about searching for love in the godly way. So I pray that the Holy Spirit will help me. I'm sure he will. Amen. Well, one thing that even was said in the introduction was that you can't love outside God. And that the Bible says that God is love. So when you look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, and I would encourage you to be conversant with your Bible, to make the word of God your friend, because I tell you, when the issues of life come knocking, it's not your eyelashes or your weave on, but it is your, thus saith the Lord. 
that will bring you deliverance. Amen, somebody. Amen. Okay, so 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Amen? It says, let us love one another, for love is of God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So it means that if you are not a Christian or a born-again Christian, don't talk about love. You don't even know what it's about. Because it says that anyone who does not know God cannot love God. And that God is love. So if you don't have God in your life, you don't have love. Perhaps you have lust. You have hormonal issues and surges you have things that look like love you see like animals love their children and they are good because I think that even though we have a fallen nature because we have a little bit of God in us there's a bit of us who wants, which wants to be kind which wants to do good but that is not salvation amen and so if God is love and then you are loving that girl and that boy outside God then you are not in love. Oh. You are in something else, but not love. I didn't define it. The Bible defined it. And the Bible says that the word of God was written from the foundations of the earth. So if God is love, and you are going out with an unbeliever, or you are being attracted to an unbeliever, or you are being attracted to a church-going unbeliever, or you are being attracted to a tongue-talking unbeliever, then love is of God, and you are probably outside what is really called love. And the poet was saying that, you know, he was really moved by her enamel, you know, the, the, the teeth in her mouth, and by her body, and by her smile, and by her whatever. But if you took her to your house, you will see that these things don't necessarily guarantee a good relationship. Amen. Because there are many Hindus, Confucianists, Buddhists who have all these qualities you are talking about. A sweet smile, scintillating this, and you wanted so much to touch her flesh, whatever. Everybody who is not even born again may have those qualities. Amen? Amen. But it is going beyond that. Okay? And I'm not saying that don't be attracted to somebody or don't get close to somebody who is attractive, but I'm saying that that cannot be it on its own. Okay? And I realize that in, in, in loving the godly way, you have to be led by the Holy Spirit. The first point is God is love. So without God, forget about love. Don't define what you are experiencing as love. It's something else. The second point is without the Holy Spirit and being led by the Holy Spirit, you are not going to end in a good place. The Bible says in Romans 8 verse 14, as many as are led by their hormones, as many as are led by pornography, as many as are led by their feelings, as many as are led by Beyonce, as many as are led by Rihanna, as many as are led by their friends, 
as many as are led by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is supposed to lead you, not you lead the Holy Spirit. And many believers today don't even pray about their relationships. But the Bible says in Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. But you are following your own understanding that when it's hips 44 and uh, 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 waist 26 and bust 36, that is the right one for you. You are not being led by the Spirit of God. You are being led by your eyes, brothers. The Bible doesn't say as many as are led by a deep voice. As many as are led by a seemingly caring brother. As many as are led by height. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. Because it's God who knows the person. God is the manufacturer of the person. So when you ask him his opinion... He, having created the person, will know whether the person is the right person for you or not. And I used to think as a young Christian that anything that's nice, God wants to withhold from you. But the contrary is, 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 the contrary is true. That God wants to bless you and bless you properly. Because the Bible says, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and it adds no sorrow. It is not his intention to add sorrow. Okay, but you want to be led by something else. You want to be led by the standards of the world. It's when you see an advert, maybe a Tigo advert, or some girls will be in a car, then they see a boy, then they look this way, then the boy also looks this way, then they, then they fall in love. So that is your mind, television love. But that's not the godly way to fall in love. The Bible says in Psalm 37, commit your way unto him. Commit your way. Which way do you want to go? Lord, I'm so in love with Peter. Don't change his mind. But this Peter may turn out to be a wife beater in the future. Or God may say, no, the plans that I have for you, you see, Peter is going to be something else. But you, the plan that I have for you is to be a helpmeet maybe to a pastor. So this is 2013. Peter seems to be whatever, but when you pray, God will say, no, I'm leading Peter away, you know. I'll be bringing Edwin in 2014. <laughs> Amen? But you don't want to acknowledge him. You know, you always say, oh God, this is nice to me. But sometimes when you acknowledge him, he says, yes, it's true. That's the right one. Go for it. God can give you what you like. God is not against your desires. The Bible says he will grant you the desires of your heart. He says whatsoever you desire, not somebody's beloved. When you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So God is interested in your desires as well. But he says, in all your ways. Not some. Not some. Not only in crisis. Not only when the person has broken your heart. Or... You had some expected hopes, and then the hope turned to another girl. And then that has become a problem. Oh, God, remember me. No. As many as are led by the Spirit of God. 
And that's a whole topic, how to be led by the Spirit of God. It's a whole topic. That Bishop Dag has, by the Holy Spirit, written a book on the art of hearing. You know, so I can't go into all that, but the Word of God is one of the primary ways in which God will speak to you. God will tell you certain things that are in the Word, like, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. He'll tell you. But you tell me, oh, Lady Reverend, he's born again. Is he born again? Say, he's, he's a black American. I once asked somebody, is he born again? Say, Lady Reverend, he's a black American. As if being black American substitutes salvation. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So you have to acknowledge God first of all. Because if you don't trust in the Lord with all your heart and you lean to your understanding, you see, our human understanding is so warped. Our human understanding is so faulty. When I was here, I came in as a born again Christian. And my sister, who was two years ahead of me, was then an unbeliever. But then she had said at home, Oh, you must be my roommate and all that. So the person who was going to be my roommate. But we had planned from Wesley Girls that when we come, she would be my roommate. My sister said she would be my roommate. And that was fine because we had a good flow. But she was an unbeliever. So when I came in first year, then she said, Oh, you must expect October rush. I said, What is that? I said, Oh, I mean, the boys will come and visit you. They will say this, they will whatever, you know. And just by that company, I was affected. And when I would walk from here to the law faculty, where Ikuafu is, there was a guy who would be standing on the Ikuafu balcony like that. <laughs> and I said by clockwork, you know, I, was, I think I was so simple-minded that I used to think that, oh, he just likes standing on his balcony. Not knowing that the person is actually looking for prey. Do you understand? You don't, you don't process that way. So he would come down and say, oh, can I walk you to the faculty with my friends? So we would all walk to the faculty. And then when I'm coming back, he will have maybe a packet of rich tea. Oh, I thought you could have this. Oh, nice guy. <laughs> then one day I went with my friend to witness. I said, are you born again? So, I mean, if you want me to be. <laughs> I said, you need to be born again. Then I said, do you have a Bible? Oh, no. I have to look for it. But as soon as I gave him the word of God, he said, do you want to accept Christ? Yes. Do you want to pray now? Yes. Are you in love with Jesus? Yes. The fastest conversion I've ever seen. <laughs> so he gave his life to Christ. Seemingly. And it was a Saturday, Friday evening. I was going to UCF then. And then he said, I said, do you have a Bible then? He climbed, went to look on top of his wardrobe. He said, oh, my mother gave me a Bible. You know, you have moved my heart so much, but I can't find it. I was saying, oh, what effort. This believer is really growing rapidly. <laughs> and then he said to me and my friend, who was also a Christian, that, you know, the way you have talked to me, it has ministered to me so much that I was going for a jam this evening. I won't even go. To cut a long story short, I hear that he went cry, and he was the main person in the, in the jam. But I thought, oh, he's giving his life to Christ. And then you quickly want to fast for it, and you want to say, oh, convert to possess. Do you understand? You don't want God's involvement. You want your own involvement. You see? And then 
I would look and I would say, oh, this guy, he's very cool, oh. You know, he just wears jeans, then he wears chalet water. Oh, man. <laughs> and then God gave me this very verse, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 17. One day, you know, my sister was out. I was in my room alone. And I just fell down on my knees. I was praying. And then I started to cry, which means that you know that the road you are on is some way. You know, I'm not committed to anything, but I knew that. Or I, even I wasn't aware, but I started to cry. Then I said, God, give me a verse. He said, 2 Corinthians 6, 70. Therefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. And I will be your God and you shall be my sons and my daughters. Oh God, how can I come out? Come out of what? I missed many tears. I gave up. Even this one, you have not even entered a relationship, but girls live before the relationship starts. Do you understand? Girls live before a relationship starts. And then, when the guys see them off, and they go and lie in the bed, instead of meditating on Joshua 1.8, they will be meditating on your lies. And he said, I look nice. You know, he was so kind. He said, what do you mean? The guy has gone to his room. He has thought about you for a few seconds, and he's moved on. Guys, am I right? But we are meditating on it. And little did I know that God had planned Bishop Dagi with meals for me. So when he said, come out from among them, I said, Lord, it looked like a sacrifice. Now even when I think of it, I'm, I'm angry that I cried. Foolishness. <laughs> Do you understand? And then later I saw the guy's life. Hey! He would come to, let's say, P block. P18, he would go out to the person, he would jail the person. P19, P20. Hey! Starting from P1. So I said, God, you have shown me what my life would have been like. But just by saying yes to you and a seeming sacrifice, you know? And I didn't say yes to God that, oh, okay, God, yes, your will. As I leave this one, ensure that I have some. No, it wasn't like that. It was just all out. You know, God said, come out from among them. Give everything up and be serious. I said, oh God, but I'm a Christian. I don't do this. I don't say, but you are not completely separated. When I got completely separated, I lost some friends. And for the sake of the freshest, you are going to lose some friends. But they are not worth your salt. Amen? So I lost some friends. I was lonely for some time. But when you follow Christ, you pay a price. Christ is not like a party. You don't pay anything. Even education, you pay a price. In the night, you won't sleep. You'll be asking this one to teach you this, to do it. It's all sacrifice. Nothing comes easy. And walking with God doesn't fall from the sky. You pay a price. You take up your cross. You follow him. Amen. Amen. And therefore, I paid that price. I didn't lean on my own. Under- because my own understanding was that, oh, the person is, is cool, you know. TDH, we used to say tall, dark, and handsome. Yeah. Do you understand? But now, after having been married for 25 years, I'm telling you, the tallness does not help. The darkness does not help. And the handsomeness does not help. When issues come into the marriage, the Bible says that a beautiful woman without discretion is like a pig with a, a gold ring in his snout. It doesn't do anything. And even 
in my pastoral care, when people have very beautiful spouses, when there's a beast, the beauty doesn't even occur to them. So what you build your life on is your understanding. And God says, don't lean on it. Because your understanding won't take you anywhere. I had read so many romantic Mills and Boone books. So I felt that love was what the person says, hi, baby. It's so cool. That has nothing to do with true love. Amen. Amen. And that is also your understanding. So a lot of the world has fed into us. And God knows that. So he says that before you take this very crucial step, you know your ways. So before you even meet anybody, pray about your future. Pray about your life. Pray about the will of God. Father, your will be done. Even Jesus prayed for God's will. It wasn't always easy for God's will to be done. But at the end of the day, after a crucifixion, there was a resurrection. (laughs) Amen? So you need to not lean on your own understanding. The world standards of what love is. Love is, if you love me, sleep with me. If you love me, express it by sleeping with me. And God is not against sleeping with the person. He created it. It wasn't your idea. When you came on the earth, sex was already here. And that's how you are here even. You are a product of an entertainment between your mother and your father. (laughs) So it's God's idea. But God is saying, at the right time and in the right way. Amen, somebody. Don't lean on your own understanding. He's not robbing you of anything. I know a marriage that broke because, I mean, it's a true story. That broke because when the man married, then he came to see the pastor. The pastor was telling me, the man said that, ah, this sister I met her in the church, we married, but the, from the first night, she's too experienced. <laughs> the pastor said, well, Whatever it is, her past is blotted out. Her sins are forgiven. It's a pastor. The level was too much. <laughs> it was too much. So the pastor called the lady. And said, this is your husband's complaint. Said, oh, I rather thought I was making him happy. Sometimes men don't know what they want. Said, I'm happy, but I'm also disturbed. I'm happy, but I'm also disturbed. The pastor was telling me, the quarrel became a big quarrel today. They are not married anymore. So, you see, the standards of the world, they are not the right standards. So you need to acknowledge God. Pray about everything. That's what the book of Philippians 4, 6 says. Have no anxiety, but in everything by prayer. But the modern day believers, you meet the person in the church, then you are going, no prayer. There are people who have married, and they have married people with HIV. I don't need to stigmatize them, but you must know what you are going in for. And the Holy Spirit can reveal so much. So much. I have seen that the Holy Spirit can. Sometimes I'm going somewhere, my mind is not even, and the Holy Spirit will just reveal things. Or it just reveals things to me, and I'm like, wow. So if you acknowledge him in all your ways, he has promised to direct our paths. Amen. So don't go by your mind. Now the Bible also says in Amos 3.3, can any two walk except they be agreed? 
So two people, if you are going to look for love the godly way, you need agreement. Not agreement that you don't have differences. But agreement that the two of you can flow. Because everybody has their own vision in life. Somebody wants to be the next president of Ghana. Somebody else wants to be a parliamentarian. Somebody wants to go to school to PhD. And somebody else wants to be in full-time ministry. They are all two different visions. In fact, more than two. Multi-visions. The person that you are beginning to get close to, what is his vision for now? Not only that, the vision also keeps changing. As the married people. Because we all change. Not because we want to, but circumstances change. Things change and then you decide that. You see? So, what is the person's vision in life? Some people are Christians, but they have only worldly goals. All their goals are worldly, just academic. They don't have any spiritual goals. I don't want to be married to somebody like that. We can all choose. You can be academic, whatever is good, but if you don't have a spiritual aim to be anything in the Lord, I'm not interested in you. So I have to know what your vision is. And as I walk with you, you are my friend. I have to know what your heart is. What would you like to do? You know? And then some ladies too, they don't want anything at all to do with ministry. Sometimes you say your mind or you feel inadequate. That's different because I used to say to my roommate, there are two professions I will never marry from. A medical doctor and a pastor. These two I will never marry from. And my roommate used to ask me, why? I said, because they will never have time for you. They will always go, yeah, doctor is on call. And she would say, really? I said, hmm. And she said, my roommate, by that time, she, she had beloved. And the beloved said that they will marry on a boat and think, hey. <laughs> uh, I realized as I went on and grew up as a Christian that it wasn't that I didn't want to marry somebody in the ministry, but I didn't think that I had the strength that you needed. You know, I didn't know so much about ministry. In fact, at that time, we didn't even know what a pastor is. So we just said we want to work for God, but we didn't know what it meant. We didn't have any fatherly guidance and being brought up to know what you would do. But at least, my husband kept telling me, I want to work for God, but we didn't know what it meant. But I knew the core of his being and his vision was to work for God. Amen. So when you keep hearing that, and you know that as you are sitting there, you hate ministry with a vengeance. Don't go and worry somebody's son. Kenneth Higgins' wife said, she, she said that she would never marry a preacher. And she ended up marrying a preacher. So she said that, never say it because it may end up being that. But even when it ends up being that, depending on the type of flow you have, you can say, oh, this is God's will for me, I'll flow. But some people, their Christianity doesn't affect every area of their lives. Do you understand? They get angry, they have a bad temper, there's no fruit of the spirit. You just manifest. You are, but the only thing that you are a Christian is that you know a few verses and you say amen. <laughs> so can any two walk except they be agreed? You have to be agreed on vision, values. What does a person value? Such that when you speak to the person, you can see the person is saying that, oh, as for women, I don't think they should be involved in decision making. 
It's spelling out your future. It's spelling out. I'm not saying that you should be feminist, but the way people talk, oh, no, bad, so when he's taking decisions in the home, he's likely not to mind you. Can any two work except they be agreed? And sometimes also from our background, we've seen that when our father was speaking, our mother was never allowed to come to the hall or even she would not be asked, what do you think? Her opinion doesn't matter. And in some of our homes, our mothers never sit with their, our fathers when they are eating or what you go away. You know, so you, you get accustomed to what you see. You learn in psychology. You get accustomed to what you see, and it creates a pattern. So that's why the Bible says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What are the person's values? Does a person believe that a woman must not work and must be a housewife to look after his beloved children? When you speak to him, what does he say? Does a person feel that Christianity should only be to a point and that you shouldn't go beyond. Those are his values. Can any two walk except they be agreed? Does a person have a strong passion to live abroad? Or you have a strong passion to live abroad? And I always tell the sisters, you see, there are not two captains in the ship. So God has said that the man is the head. It doesn't mean you are a non-entity, but the man is the head. Now you say, you want to do PhD, you'd like to lecture in Yale, it's all good. Oh. But you marry him and he says, hmm, what? I'm not going to any Yale. Oh. Me, I like to be among my people in Bekwai. Yale and Bekwai, they are miles apart. <laughs> so you have to stay flexible. You can't fix your dreams in iron. You can't cast your dreams in iron or stone. You have to be flexible. That whatever God, so you may not go to Yale, but you can still lead a fulfilled and happy life. And even when you go and visit the people in Yale, you rather will be blessing them. It can also happen. So you have to look at the person's values, his aspirations, his vision. Where is he going in life? And I think that when somebody is your friend or even you are in a, you see many things, but they say love is blind. Only the neighbors are not. You see, so if your eyes are really open, you can pick up so many, so many things come. When the people get married and I say, but didn't you see this? Like, you marry a lady, she cannot cook. Every day she's buying pizza for you and you two, you are eating. <laughs> it should occur to you that, how come? When you go to her room in the hall, you see that the whole place is cold. The only thing she has is a kettle. When you ask her, say, oh, me dear Tina, she will do the same to you. The same so you must look at it and say, hey, is my stomach important to me? And sometimes when people are in love, they say, oh, I don't mind. You go and marry a Korean lady. And you say, you dear, you now eat dim sum. You know, they have something like that, dim sum. And the Korean food has a very strong pungent smell. You say, it doesn't matter, you whatever. Can any two work except they be agreed? Dietarily speaking, you are not agreed. That is what you know. You are going to worry somebody's daughter. Do you see? So I am, I am not saying that don't have cross-cultural marriages, but look at yourself, whether the two of you can be agreed. Some of you, your tribe is very strong. When you are speaking, you speak with proverbs. When we come to your house, you are wearing your shorts, your towel is here, and you are called a fool. 
Then you come and tell me that you are going to marry a French girl. Ça va? Ça va avec toi, Chantal? Hey! You are not international in any way. And it's very difficult to change you. Can any two work except they be okay? Some of us are very strong in our tribal leanings. If you are shanty, you are shanty to the core. Somebody said to me, Lady Reverend, my father is so ashanti, if he attends a funeral in winter, he will wear black breezy, by all means. <laughs> An educated lawyer, he will wear black, black breezy, he will never wear suit, whatever, to attend the wedding. Hey, it's so nasty. <laughs> Do you see? So such a person, you are going to marry him. His roots will be very strong. He may have a very strong, whatever, about matrilineal inheritance or matrilineal law or you must know that, okay, I can live with this. I can accept this. But if you cannot, you have to. So, I don't think that it's tribal per se, but how deep is your tribe? Some of you, they say somebody was giving yogurt. They say, ben, as I say, they can't eat even yogurt. <laughs> Do you understand? So, can it need to work except they be agreed? Don't think that when you marry, then it will change. It will get worse. Whatever you see that you don't like, when you marry, it's going to get worse because the person is going to be himself and herself. Amen? Amen. Next point. Do not look for perfection. It doesn't exist. The Bible says, For we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of his power shall be of God and not of us. Yes, there's a treasure. But unfortunately, it's in vessels of clay. So that sister you are dreaming about, that brother you are dreaming about, he has his strengths and he has his weaknesses. He's not going to be perfect. And we set ourselves up for disappointment because we feel that, oh, as I have met this Pierrot, he will never change. He will never disappoint me. As I have met this Mavis, she will never disappoint. Is she God? If you are building your expectations on the fact that in a relationship you will never be disappointed then let me advise you don't even marry because you are going to disappoint each other not because you intend to but because you are vessels of clay amen sometimes you will say something to your spouse ah, did you say that then you say oh I didn't think about it you are a vessel of clay you have hurt the person and the person will also hurt you so if you are going to marry and you you are overly sensitive the marriage is not for you. If you're going to marry based on the premise that the person will never disappoint you, there's nothing like that. Amen? Amen. So, have an open mind that I can shack and the person can also shack. That's how it is. The person will be godly, loving, all that, but we are human. No matter what you... I always say that we should thank God for liver brothers and things because we don't have to do anything. We just smell by nature. Vessels of clay. When you sleep small, you open your mouth, we can't stand there. When you don't bath for one day, no, we know that you have come. Because the body is in a form of decay all the time. It's a vessel of clay. That's why we thank God for the people who have made deodorant, toothpaste, to help us manage <laughs> our vessels of clay. <laughs> Otherwise, it will not, we don't have to do anything. We just smell by nature. That's our natural nature, which has not been helped. That's how we are. But the Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Amen. Amen. So turn to the person next to you and say, I'm so earthen, you know. Do you think I'm okay for you? Amen. So marriage 
it's a, it's, a, it's a union between two vessels of clay, okay? I think I talked about the, can any two work except they be agreed? You have to look at your belief system. You may be in the church, but what's your belief system? What's your financial outlook like or the financial outlook of the other person? What is his temperament? I can't go into that. I got the whole teaching. So buy the message and listen. I don't even know if they have that here. But temperament is you are created and you have black hair. It's not your fault. It's black hair. You may dye it blonde, or but it is still black hair. If the blonde wears out a bit, the black will come from under. Because that's who you really are. And because we don't understand those differences, we quarrel with each other. For instance, you are a sanguine. You are outgoing. You are the life of the party. You don't keep to dates and schedules. You are very easygoing. You are likely to be attracted to a melancholic who collects all the things, sweeps, makes the room very nice. Then you come, one gathers and one scatters. You get very angry. Why does he do like that? How does he... But it is because you are opposites. And your strength is his weakness. And his strength is your weakness. But if you know about it, then you can be agreed, you can work together because you agree that you are sanguine and melancholic and it will work. Because if we go and bring two melancholics, your family members cannot come to your house. <laughs> everything has to be starched, everything has to be this color. Everything has... I know some ladies, the husbands told me that as they are going out, then they've taken the mop. Oh, let's go to the outdoor and then they've taken the mop. So as they are walking, then they are... <laughs> Before they walk out. Yes, when he sits on the bed to chat with her, as soon as he, he gets up, hey, his own house, he, he can't feel free. You see, so different temperaments. So you have to be agreed that you are sanguine, we are melancholic, but we make a great team because we need each other. Amen. So please read a bit more and listen a bit more to temperaments because we don't have so much time. So you can tell that I'm... I'm running and I'm galloping, trying to push in as much as I can. And then also, you will meet people by design and by accident. Searching for love, you will meet people in a godly way. God will bring people into your life by accident and by design. But you, the young generation, you think that nobody can tell you that, oh, you and this brother, you are a parent. Oh, arrange marriage. Arrange relationship. But when you meet him at the porter's lodge, say, huh, hey, Reverend, that is love. My submission is that it can be either way. The room is quiet. It can be either way because sometimes it's the people standing outside who can see what your strengths and your weaknesses are. And they are not saying that, marry by force. But they can suggest to you that, but we don't want to hear that. It's like, how? How? But I don't believe that people should be forced because when they have said, you and this brother will make a good pair, after that, when you marry, they've left, oh, you are the only ones <laughs> in the marriage, so you must want the person. But the fact that the person was introduced to you should not make you want to throw the person out. He was introduced. You didn't say become beloved by force. 
But you can become friends and see whether you are interested in each other, but you don't want to know. But come with me to Genesis chapter 24. Genesis 24. Verse 58. I'm ending soon so that you can ask your questions. Genesis, Genesis is the first book, that one, please. Don't even bring yourself. Verse 58. And they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they went away, Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men, and they blessed Rebekah. Now come to verse 67. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. A servant was sent to go and look for a wife. And the servant was given certain conditions that don't marry among the heathen at all. And wherever you go, if the Lord prospers you, we bring a wife. If he doesn't, it's okay. But don't take any wife from among the heathen. He goes and he, the first thing he does is to pray to God and say that the woman who comes and gives water to me and to all the camels, she will be the one. When the woman comes, it happens just like that. And then he follows the woman to her house only to find out that they are related, just as you and your wife are related through the blood of Christ. And when that is found out, they cannot force Rebecca, so they call and say, will you go? It takes faith. A man you haven't seen before. Will you go? But they didn't force it or hear that. You must go. He's related to us. He's a good person. They didn't say that. So you met him at the, at, the, at the well. The man is in another country. You haven't seen him before. Will you go? And Rebecca said, I will go. I'm always amazed at that answer. She must have been a great woman of faith. And then the Bible says that when she came and Isaac took her, because she had become his wife, they had done all the trinkets and things had been given and all that. Isaac took her and put her in her tent and then he loved her. So love can come after. So it may be that you met by design, but love will come. But the sequence in which love comes is not according to the movie you've been watching. Amen? But I won't tell you that it's easy because when I was young, you know, some people would come to my house and my mother would say that, oh, but this is a nice girl. And I'm like, ah, why is she even thinking about that? What is that? Why should you even say that? Whatever. I mean, why? What is that? But as I've grown up, I've seen that we have to be a bit more open-minded about some of these things. That if it is by design, somebody says, oh, have you seen this sister? It's not going to marry her by all means. But get to know her. And for all you know, you'll see that she's a nice person. You see, and sometimes even friends hook other people up. Is that not so? Uh-huh, but your friends, there you like, but your parents, you're angry. <laughs> so I'm just saying that God blesses through these ways also. So you can search for love or find love in some of these places. Lastly, no human being can play the role of God in your life. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9. No human being can play the role of God in your life. Colossians is not in the Old Testament. Try, it's not there. 
Okay. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Amen. The Bible says we are complete in Christ. You have to be a whole person, a complete person in Christ, before you meet somebody else. God is not preparing somebody else to come and make you whole. So please, stop saying my better half has come. You are not half, you are whole. The fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in our God and we are complete in him. So as a human being and as an individual, you must have a life of your own. You must have a life in Christ of your own. You must have something that makes you an individual before you get married. Amen? But we look for love in all the wrong places because we feel that somebody is coming to give us something. But marriage is more of giving than getting. I have news for you. Amen? So if you don't have self-esteem that is based on what Christ has done for you, that man cannot give you enough self-esteem. Because we all may have self-esteem issues at varying degrees. But if you say, oh, I don't feel that I'm nice. I don't feel that I'm a good people, but a good person. But when I meet him, he'll tell me how nice I am. And then I'll... So he'll tell you how nice you are for two years. The third year, he'll forget. What will happen? Will you fall apart? So you must find your value, your self-esteem, your individuality, who you are in Christ on your own. And you must be able to be happy on your own. It's true God meets our needs through our mates and all that. But what if your husband travels? Or he has a job that he travels a lot. See, he's not here. Every day you are crying. Hey, why? Was there not life before he met you on campus? Were you not a whole person? Were there not times when you were happy with your friends? Why is it that suddenly... Now that you have a beloved, he hasn't called me, he hasn't come. It's true, he should call you. Fellowship is good and all that. Hey, he hasn't come, he's happy somewhere. You too. <laughs> Find joy. Amen. And when you have joy on your own, you become less of a nagging wife. And less of a nagging husband because you have things that you do. Do you understand? And I think that even when you get busy with the things of God, it's also a way of being fulfilled. I'm fulfilled by helping people. By doing pastoral work, I, I love to see that somebody's life has been transformed. Somebody has been helped greatly. Somebody has got a breakthrough. Somebody. So I devote my life to that. And by the grace of God, I'm, I'm preaching here. My husband is in Mampon having a camp. Since is it Tuesday. So as I have been home. <laughs> what a miserable life. I'm alone. Every day you come from work. I'm alone. What am I going to do? Hey, find books you love reading. Do some Bible study. Listen to some great message. Go out with a friend. Create a life. So that when that person comes into your life, you rather come to add. Not to be somebody who is always needy. Oh, James, tell me I look nice. I look nice already. That's why he came. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I am complete in him. The Bible says he rejoices over me with singing. 
So it's not James who is coming to make me feel <laughs> I'm really a woman. I knew from the creation and by meditating on the word who I am. And you need to cultivate that. God will never give you a human being who will replace him. A human being will give you everything. There's nobody like that. The human being is brought into your life to meet some of your needs, but not all. Otherwise, he will replace God. And God says that you shall have no other gods before me. So if you are going to make that prince or whoever his name is your God, then he's replacing God. And God hates idolatry. So God will always leave a place that only he can fulfill so that you will know that the heavens do reign. So work on yourself. Work on how you can be happy on your own. On your own. What are your interests? What are your strengths? You haven't met anybody yet, Fresher, but you are happy. As soon as you get a beloved, you'll be started to get pimples, problems, calling, he's not come, and all these type of issues. It's true, relationship is hard work, but it begins with you. And if you know that the fullness of the Godhead dwells in you, you are completing him. You have to meditate on it. I have a whole sermon, very long, entitled Identity Crisis. It's very long. But it talks about who are we? Every time we wonder who we are. Do you see? They ask Jesus. Jesus asked the people, who do men say that I am? Some say you are Elijah. Some say you are a prophet. Some say you are John the Baptist. So which one is he? Are you going to listen to men to define you? You have to know what you are from the Father. Amen. Amen. So when you are searching for love, don't search for it in the wrong place. When you make a man your God, you will always be disappointed. Because sometimes he can't even read your needs. A woman cannot read your needs. Sometimes. It's not that the person wants to be mean. But she doesn't know that this is the need you have at this point of your life. But God knows. You have a high priest who is touched with the feeling of your infant. And sometimes I wonder why God puts men and women together. We are so different. We are so, so, so different. Now we say God put two incongruous things together. Because women are more romantic, I love you, and then men are more sexual. Let's go to the bedroom. But for a woman to express her love is not necessarily always. And also a woman views sex as, oh, he loves me, or he's expressing his love. But a man can have sex with a Chinese woman and continue in life without being in love with her. And that's what beats a woman's mind. How could he have slept with me? How could he have been so passionate and then he says he didn't love me? How can that be? We are different. So those differences also exist. But I pray that in searching for love, you make Christ the center. You will not be tossed by any wind on campus. I pray that your life in Christ is the foundation of everything you will do, for God is love. And I pray that you will look for love in all the right places and find it. God bless you. So I can have the questions on, so that we can roll on. Are they ready? As much as time will permit. I, I just pray that in the 40 minutes, I've been able to say something. Please, if you have a question, please, you can raise your hand so that we start answering the questions. So if you have a question, please, let us know. You can raise your hand, we call you. If, as they bring their papers, so you can, you can, you can ask your question.
How many of you believe in love at first sight? I used to believe in it. How many of you? You used to. You have to ask yourself, when I, I say love at first sight, what did I fall in love with? You fell in love with the content, uh, with the package, but not the contents. So you have to take time to know the contents before you know what you are doing. Amen? Okay. What future do you have with a guy who always finds fault in everything you say and do? And also declares clearly that you don't make him happy, but says that you mean everything to him. <laughs> I think that, you see, before you marry, you have the opportunity of changing certain things. As Christians, when we marry, we don't believe in divorce. And it's not supposed to be so. Jesus said from the beginning it was not so. But because of the hardness of your heart, it was allowed to be so. Moses had to make laws. So he said from the beginning it was not so. And then he goes on to talk about divorce. So when you are not married, you have a certain dispensation to break your relationships that are not working. But you have to be of good judgment, because some people too, they just break, 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 break. You are looking for a perfect person that does not exist, or you are just a fault finder. That's different. But you are saying that your beloved is a fault finder. You are with a guy who is always finding fault. It's not going to change. It's going to get worse in marriage. Because in marriage, he's going to get used to you. So maybe he's a critical person. He's always criticizing you. And verbal abuse can be worse than physical abuse. Because words, Jesus said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. The Bible says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat of the fruit thereof. So I think that if he's your beloved now, and he's not your husband, and you have realized that he's always criticizing you, sister, there are many doors to this room. Please. I think that you must call it quits. Because he's saying you mean everything to me, and then he's always criticizing you. You see, so either you talk to him about it and see whether there's any improvement. If not, then this is how it's going to be for the rest of your life. Any animal you see before you marry, multiply it by 100 for marriage. Anything you see that you don't like, multiply it by 100. If you go to his room, you knock on the door, he's snoring like a caterpillar. When you marry, he'll snore times 100. <laughs> if you, see, you feel that he's stingy, and he's very not generous. He never gives you anything for your birthday. What Marriage is not going to correct it. It's going to reveal more of that. Okay, so sometimes there are some signs we see. We have to work with them and not be blind and say, well, it doesn't exist because we are in love. No. How will you know true love when you are close to it? Well, if I had time, I would have told you that Love, I think, there's a foundation and then you build on it. But the foundation of every love is 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. And that's not what we are told in our romantic books. The Bible says love is patient. Another version says love suffers long. I didn't read that in Mills and Boone. I don't know if you still have Mills and Boone, but... When I watch love stories and things, I don't read that love suffers. And also that it suffers long. But the Bible will tell you the truth. So when you get married, you will know that love suffers. 
It suffers when your spouse has traveled and sometimes you need somebody to talk to or you are lonely or something bad has happened and you want to reach the person and then because of the marriage, the number you have called is out of recovery area. <laughs> you know? And those are the times that perhaps you just fall on your relationship with God but so many things come that show you that love suffers. Your love will be tested. Your love will be tested. You say, eh, did I say I love this guy? When you come to the altar, you just come and say, for better and for worse, in sickness and in health. You think it's like empty, empty. <laughs> you have not thought about it. But think about it that the people who framed the vows, they did it based on experience. Why did they say in sickness and in health? Because sickness can challenge marriage. Why does it say in prosperity and in adversity? Because there's adversity in marriage. But you don't want to think about it. You think that, oh, it's just in prosperity, yes, but there's adversity also. And the vows are standard for everybody. It's not that when these people come, they will say, oh, that's for this couple. They won't have that. No, in sickness and in health, in prosperity, for better, for worse. You have worse times and you have better times in the marriage. The same one, and I'm glad for 1 Corinthians 13, because it doesn't mince words. It tells us the truth. It says love is patient. Love suffers long. Love is kind. Love is not boastful, nor arrogant, nor rude. Because sometimes in the marriage, when you are very bored, you can be very arrogant. I am not forgiving. I am standing at this place. I am not yielding because enough is enough. Then you will remember 1 Corinthians. You won't remember that foolish song. Lay your troubles on my shoulders. Put your worries in my pocket. That's not. But you remember the Bible. That's why you must look for somebody who fears God. Somebody who has a referee in his life or in her life. Where when he's playing the ball and the referee whistles, he won't be like Suarez who will enter your goalpost <laughs> against all rules. So sometimes say, oh, eh, he's a Christian, but, you know, well, he's a Christian, he's just not so serious, but he's a, it will affect your marriage. Because how the person loves God is how he will love you. If the person loves God, he will keep himself pure. If the person loves God, he will say, I'm the temple of the living God. You see, you don't need to be sexual before you marry. You don't need. You are, you are breeding mistrust in your marriage. One day a pastor came from somewhere here and his wife, gee, 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 gee. Ah, three months of marriage. The wife said, I know, he has been unfaithful to me. As I said, the Holy Spirit said to me, they slept together so she doesn't trust. I said, lady, uh, you and your husband, were you fornicating before you married? Then all her tempers went out. Yes, lady Reverend, yes. I said, that's why you don't trust him. You feel that he's capable. He's capable of breaking any rule, of doing anything, because you have sown a seed of mistrust. And the man also begins to think that his wife can do, because she did with me outside, so she can do. And that's also... I have, I have presided over cases where wives have been unfaithful. I presided over cases like I said, when I got up in the morning, he insulted me. And then when I was going to work, I stood by the roadside. Then a man came in a gleaming BMW. Then he said, Sweet Daffodil, where are you going? I've been called a fool like this and this. Me, Sweet Daffodil. Oh, let me just go. 
But when you know that love suffers long, it's not arrogant, it's not rude. Love does not insist on its own way. Look, your love life will be tested. I have another message, your love life. When people see, they think it's bedroom, what I'm talking about, your ability to walk in love. Your love life. When it says that love does not insist on its own way, you know that what he's saying, you see, God says he's your head, but what he's saying, in him, and it won't work well, but he's on the throne. You see these brothers humble like that. When they climb the throne, it's not easy. They really, uh, uh, what, inhabit the praises and the rulership. Do you see? So when you tell him, don't do this. Uh, this is what I believe I should do. Then he does it. And you are a wife. In our marriage counseling, we say, don't tell him I told you so. Hey, is it easy? <laughs> you stand there and say, mm, I want to tell him that I told you. You see, if you listened, if you listened. But love does not insist on its own way. Love says, I think this is the right way. But if you think it's this, I can't force you. I'm like God. I can give you your free will to operate. But some of us will say, when it fails, don't come and seek my help. But the same person will come and say, oh, mommy, it didn't work. Can you do this for me? And the Christian in you must rise up. Oh, yes, I can help you. But the other side in you will say, I'm insisting on my own way. I said it. Why are you now coming to involve me? Don't involve me. It's your own whatever, whatever. You see, when you are in a relationship, marriage is different. Because in a relationship, you have your own money. You spend your own money. You do whatever. When you marry, you say, children's school fees, let's plan. Rent, let's plan. Utility bills, let's plan. So marriage has a lot of friction areas. And it's only First Corinthians 13 that will ensure that you have a successful marriage. Only. And sometimes you will cry out of love. Ooh, God, ooh. And the God says, forgive. Forgive. So he doesn't deserve the forgiveness. So I think that now is your training ground. You see, the things that you think you are doing for God, walking in his word, whatever, it's all preparation for what lies ahead. So you will know true love when you are close to it. If it looks like what's in the Bible, you will know. If it looks like what's in the Bible, that's the foundation. Before you build on eros, which is the erotic love, which is also necessary. Before you build on phileo, which is brotherly love and all that. But the foundation is agape love. Love in spite of. That's where it all begins. Amen. So that's how you know true love. I hope I've answered your question. A few more. Hi, lady pastor. I'm in a relationship with a Nigerian guy for two months now. He says things are not going on well, so he doesn't call and he doesn't visit. But anytime I call him, he says he loves me. Jesus says that when the fig tree is bearing its fruit in the summer, you know that it has a sign. When the clouds gather, you know that it has a sign. But some of the things that you say, I don't know. He doesn't call you. He doesn't visit you. And then when he calls you, when you call him, he says, I love you. Sister, sister, sit up. I think you need to take a decision. You see, we can't believe that what the person is telling us is not true. My brothers, when they were unbelievers, they used to tell me, as for you girls, you want lies, so we must tell you lies. Because when we tell you the truth, you will not fool. You see, so please look at the facts instead of, the Bible says you shall know them by their fruits, not by their words, Okay. So look at people's fruits. And what do you think of being in love with an unbeliever? 2 Corinthians 6.14 And be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. 
For what fellowship has Christ with Belial? The unbeliever is Belial, you are Christ. What fellowship has light with darkness? You are light, the unbeliever is darkness. And what fellowship has the temple of God with idols? You are the temple of God, the unbeliever is idols. How can a fetish priest and a pastor get married? That's what you are doing. Because a fetish priest is idols. And the pastor is the temple of God. How can you get married? So it's not what I think. It's what the Bible says. And the Bible says that you are unequally yoked. Your burdens, your journey, everything will be different. Please, he's not worth sacrificing Christ for. Okay, so do not be unequally yoked. With that. Even if the person is in church, sometimes you can see by his fruits that he's not a believer. If it doesn't affect your studies negatively or draw you away from God, can you have a girlfriend? If she's also a firm believer in Christ. Well, in our church, we say that when you get to university, you can think about having a beloved. But we do not encourage long relationships. But of course, if you are on campus, I was in a relationship for, is it four to five years? And when my husband is preaching, he will say that, look, four to five years, it's not easy. Seeing the sister and not touching her, but I didn't have any such thoughts. So maybe it's on a different scale, you know. But I think that university is a great ground to meet people. Great, great, great ground to meet people. Do you know why? When your beloved knocks on your door, you have come from lectures, you are asleep, you open your eyes, he sees you as you are. But when you start working, he sees you in your sketch shoes, and he doesn't get the opportunity. You go to night market together, you eat kelewele, you, I, I love campus. I feel that it shows reality. You are just yourself. You see, but out there in the working world, it's a bit different. And so I think that this is the harvest ground. So the brothers, find the wives. Because we cannot find you, but find us. We are good. Amen. Every day you are going to look from some exter somewhere. We are here in Te. Please find us. Or we are good things. Amen. So yes, you are allowed to have a beloved. How can you tell someone disturbing you to back off? <laughs> tell him politely, please. But, but someone, it depends on the type of person and what, tell him politely. How do you get over a crash? A crash is lost. And we are watching too many American movies. And all the American movies, some of which when I have time to sit by my children, whether they are cartoons or teenager, all of them, the girls are chasing the boys, and it has affected us. Our culture was never like that. That you, the boy, you are walking there, and then I'm chasing you. It's supposed to be the other way. Do you understand? But this generation oh, I like him. Why should you love somebody who will not return your love? You are much better than that. Oh. You deserve, then he will be doing himself. Then he will be talking to some sister. Then you say, hey, why? You will find somebody who loves you mutually. So don't give your love to somebody who cannot return it. Amen. And this crash culture has permeated everything. Because, look, when I watch, it's, it's a, a high school scene, and the girls are standing here, then the boys come to their locker, then the girls go, oh, I said, this thing is not Ghanaian. It has come from somewhere. Amen. You can find somebody attractive. But I think that beyond that, it can move into last. And then when you last for somebody, usually the feeling will not be mutual. Sometimes the person even doesn't know. 
How can you fall in love with a phantom or a fantasy? It's not real. It's all casting down imaginations. You know, so I think that some of it can ooze into impurity. So the Bible says, do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh may come, but don't fulfill it. Do you see? So I don't think that crashes are godly because you say you have a crash of the person. When he goes to have a beloved, then you are bored with the beloved. Ah. The beloved has nothing to do with it. You, and the boy doesn't even look your way. If you are looking for somebody to like, look my way, he's not looking your way. You see, so it's neither here nor there. And also, I think that's a, it's a useless emotion. For what? It's not yielding anything. So pray that you will find the right person who will love you and you also love him back. Um, I think it's about, that's about it. Mommy, please, how do you relate to a guy who has been recommended to you to see if you can be beloved, but it's outside the country? Hmm. That's not an easy one. Some people even have met in Ghana, then their beloved or spouses have gone abroad, and then when they have called, they hear a baby crying. Then when they ask the beloved, oh, it's the neighbor who brought the child, then later they find out that the man is married and has children. And doesn't want to tell you. It happens all the time. So long distance is not easy. The Bible says that even when you are fasting as man and wife, come together quickly, lest Satan tempt you. Fasting in the same household. Then now one is in Los Angeles and one is in Bubuashi. <laughs> long distance relationships are difficult. And they have more strains than the ones that you are near in terms of geographically and distance-wise. So... It can work, I mean, probability, but usually. And then sometimes people get married, their spouses never get visas to go, and the marriage just breaks. I see it all the time. So I always say, no, 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 no. He should come and do the right things and then take you. And this type of 10 years, he hasn't come, and you, you don't know how you are going forward. So long distance has its challenges, but that is not the probability that it will work is less than the ones that are closer. Even Legon and Tech, look at your uh, infidelities. <laughs> My roommate had a beloved in Tech. Very nice beloved. Then the beloved wrote to us, eh, every time we fast, this sister gives me food to eat. Shall I eat it? And we were so naive. Oh, eat it. Ah, she's in the fellowship flow. Be happy. Before we knew... My sister was getting the beloved. Seriously. And we, we couldn't even believe it. And then the relationship just broke. Because why? Tech and Legon. Tech, she's cooking for him. They are going to Pajo together. They are, sometimes, it's not even that you are attracted to each other, but you spend so much time with each other that it brings about an attraction. So this long distance thing, either you work at, you overcome it by more communication, you know, and more being in touch, but, and then the grace of God. You know, but beyond that, I don't know. It's kissing in a relationship as sin. The Bible says we should flee from all uncleanness. And it starts from kissing, and then it progresses somewhere else. Do you see? In our time, kissing was such a taboo. But you people, hey, Razi. You are in a different world. But it is likely that the kissing will not stop there. Because you are in love, you are on fire. Fire service will pee, 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 pee. It's not easy. Paul said it's better to marry than to burn. You are burning. You know, and you are in love. So you would like to 
really flow. You know, so it's better, I think, to resist. And the Bible says, flee from all uncleanliness, not only fornication, but uncleanliness. And it didn't say stand there and negotiate, stand there and discuss. It said flee between flying and walking. It says flee youthful lust because at this age, youthful lust works. Your hormones are at work. That's how it is. It is created by God, but it has to be harnessed properly. Okay? My husband says that if he had to live again, he would marry in school. I said, I'm not sure I will because in marriage, the woman has more responsibilities. The person will now be coming. What am I eating for lunch? What am I, because now you are a husband. But even you are a beloved. If I have food, I give you. If I don't have... (laughs) So anyway, I think that we should guard our bodies and then when you get married to, don't be prudish. You are not a Catholic nun. Otherwise, you should have gone to the convent. So when you marry, you must also love and be passionate, erotic, and everything. Amen? Amen. Some of us who have been asked you for too long, when we marry, we wonder whether we are sinning. But God has to be able to release you. Amen. Okay, so, and then, surprise, Bishop always says, the people who say, oh, they want to marry, they this, they'll be fornicated when they marry. When their husband touches them, they don't even want to know. He finds it so amazing. You know, that, that is how they behave. So, it doesn't make sense. But it's because you feel there's something you are not getting. But when you get all of it too, then you are like, hey. In our environment, we realize it's a gentleman who mostly proposed to the ladies. Yes. Lady Reverend, please, can, this, can there be an instance when a lady can openly propose to a gentleman? Hey, please help with exclamation marks. My take on it is, the Bible says when a man has found a wife, he has found a good thing. I haven't seen that the good thing finds the man. It's the man who finds a good thing. So I think that it is more proper for a man to propose to you. Do you see? And if you propose to him, it is likely that at a point he will say that, he didn't propose to you. I had a friend like that. I had a friend like that, and he told me, but this is my wife, I didn't even propose. I said, what are you saying? Foolishness. You've been married for five years. Look at what you are saying. So I was thinking about it. Then I realized that she cried. No. I didn't propose to her. She proposed to me. So do you think? I said, this question that you are asking me. Does it make sense? When she proposed to you, it was mutual, and you also flowed. So no, but she proposed to me, so maybe I was under pressure. That's what the guys think. I'm telling you. So usually love will be mutual. So as you go along, he will speak it. But not all. Most phlegmatic men, they may not say anything. You see? So you may have to give a few ladylike hints to see how he... But once you, I think that once you propose to him some mystique, something goes. And then, or brothers, usually a certain respect, something, it goes away. So... That's not how it is. It's the man who... Rebecca did not propose to Isaac. It was the opposite way. Do you see? So that is my take on it. I think I'm through. I think I'm done. God bless you. And um, I think that there are some messages out there. Pardon? Ah, okay. There are some messages out there. So Lady Pastor BM will come and tell you. But I just 
want every eye closed and every head bowed. We've talked about relationships, and we have said that love is of God. If you're here tonight, you don't know Jesus as your Savior. You have been playing games with God and playing games with church. And you want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. I am not even sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. Lady Reverend, I want to start all over with God. It's not about who is on your left or who is on your right. It's not about whether you have come to Legon and which level you are at. It's about your relationship with God. You want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. I want to start afresh with God. I want to mean business. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to be sure that I'll go to heaven when I die. Please pray for me. I need help. If you are like that anywhere, outside, the front, the back, forget about whoever is around you and just put up your hands and I'll pray for you. Give me the honor of leading you to Christ, to the one who really matters, to the one who should be the rock and the foundation of your life. If you build anything else, you are building on sand. You want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. I want to make a fresh start. I want to give my life to Christ. If you've lifted up your hands, let it go high above your shoulder. You are doing what we all did. You are doing something that will transform your life for the rest of eternity. And if you've lifted up your hands, give me the honor of leading you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Just stand up to your feet and walk to me. I want to lead you to the living water that will quench your thirst. You have lifted up your hands. I see all your hands. Stand to your feet, please, so that I can pray for you. Forget about who is on your left and who is on your right. We mean business with God. In eternity, you stand before God alone. If you are outside also, you lifted up your hand. Stand wherever you are and I'll pray with you. There were more hands than are standing up. You know that I'm talking to you. Just lift up your hands and God will reach you at the point of your need. Father, thank you for all those that are standing. I pray for your special hand to be on them. And I pray that as they take this step, Lord, it will mark a new beginning. You are standing up. I just want you to come forward. I want to have the privilege of giving you the living water that never quenches. If you are outside, you are here, just come straight to where I am and I'll pray with you. Give them a hand. Heaven is rejoicing. Heaven is rejoicing that these ones are making a fresh start in Jesus. It's exciting. Come. Come to the living water. Come to him who can make a difference. Come to him who is on a movable foundation. Come to true love. True love. Respond. Jesus has given you his love. You must respond to it. Your life is not your own. It's Christ who determines it. If you are in front, just bow your heads and please say this prayer with me. Let it be your own prayer. Mean it from the bottom of your heart and Jesus will hear you. Lord Jesus, this evening, tonight, I come to you just as I am. Lord, take my life and make me your child. Forgive me for all my sins. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. Thank you for eternal life because he rose from the dead. Tonight, I invite you into my life to become the Lord of my life. Satan, listen to me carefully. Christ has set me free, and I'm free indeed. Amen. Father, I pray for these that have come forward.
May they never go back. Deliver them from the deceptions of the world. Deliver them from the deceptions of Satan. Your word says that we are kept by your power. I entrust them unto you. Your word says you are able to keep that which we entrust unto you until that day. Holy Father, keep them. May they be giants in your kingdom. May they enjoy a relationship with you that they have never had before. And Lord, as they say yes to you, may you bless them, bless their lives, and bless their future. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy birthday. This is the most important decision you would ever make. May the Lord make you strong, and may he make you fruitful, and may I come back seeing you serving the Lord with all your heart. God bless you, okay? And I have some books for you. Please read it and let it strengthen you. And don't shy away from God's people. Identify with Christians. It will deliver you from a lot of foolishness. Amen? Especially the freshest. Identify. I'm going for a Christian meeting. I'm going for prayer meeting. Yes, I'm the Christian type. It will deliver you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.